This evening, we are uh, we're going to get into a topic that God laid on my heart a while back, and um, wasn't sure what it was supposed to look like or how it was supposed to go. And, and I believe that God's kind of opened up a, a direction in what it's going to look like, and it's um, the topic of heaven and earth. And it's it's not um, it's not a, a theological breakdown of the how, what, where, when, what heaven is, and, and we're not we're not going that deep just yet. But it's going to be a portion, and, and we're getting somewhere tonight. So, what is heaven? Where is heaven? How can people get to heaven? Is heaven separate from earth or connected? What's going on in heaven? What's going on here? What is the connection? That's kind of Questions we go through in our in our life, right? In our walk and our journey, the deeper we go, these kinds of things can come up. But we're gonna we're gonna get somewhere tonight. All right. You guys gotta help me a little bit tonight. So depending on how the night goes, it's gonna be based on what you guys do. I'm kidding. Okay. Above my desk in my room, there is a painting. And if when you look at it closely, there's these brush strokes. It's pretty abstract. And they're, they're kind of messy or unfinished, uh, not really kept, not precise. But when you step back for a moment, you look at it from afar or from an outside perspective, you can see that there's this, this beachfront that rolls into an ocean that, that with waves off into the distance, into a horizon, with mixtures of clouds and an array of colors. And what in the world does that have to do with heaven and earth? Okay. As we read the word of God, sometimes we must stand back to see the depth of the individual truths and how they connect. So again, this is just a portion. This isn't the totality. There's not a hundred points of why heaven is real and where did it come from. We're not going that deep this evening. But there's this is a portion and kind of the direction and, and why heaven and earth are connected. Our lives as Christians shouldn't be so routine or so plain that we don't see change within our lives. And I believe that for some, and, and I was here at one point in my life, was we've accepted the salvation of Jesus Christ and have the plan of getting through life to get to heaven. It's a good plan. Amen? Everyone wants to get to heaven? Okay. But there's more. Everyone say there's more. And along with that idea comes the thought sometimes of God created the heavens and the earth and he created people and he sent his son and then he kind of sits afar off in heaven and looks down occasionally and goes, oh, they're doing all right. Not so much. Again, not not true. So tonight we're going to touch on the reality of how heaven and earth are intertwined, how God and his creation are connected. Let's look at a few Old Testament examples of how God interacts with people here on earth. We're going to start in Genesis 11, verse 5. It says, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. So right there we see that the Lord was a high somewhere, and he came down to the earth. Everyone simple so far, everyone with me? 
Okay. Deuteronomy 33 verse 2 says, And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir, and he shone forth from Mount Paran, and he, was, and he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand came a fiery law for them. So there's this, we see God moving and, and coming and going throughout the earth. Isaiah 64 verse 3. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down, the mountains shook at your presence. So again, we see there is a, from a high to a low, there is a coming down to the earth. What other encounters do we see throughout the word? One of them that sticks out is angels. How many times do we see men have an angelic encounter? I'm glad you're asking so many questions. We see 32 different people witness 104 different angelic encounters throughout Scripture. Now that's Old Testament, New Testament. That's not accounting after um, Jude Revelation, right? So there, there's this still continuing. How many know God's still moving? How many times do we see someone receive a heavenly dream or vision? There are 32 dreams recorded given to 22 different people throughout the scriptures. And, and it may not seem like a very high number, but when you get into, how many times do you see when angels rock up somewhere, show up somewhere, they have usually say something along the lines of, do not be afraid? It's kind of intense. There, it's not a natural conversation. There's a heavenly glory that comes with them. Are you with me? So it may not seem like a lot, but they're intense. All right. There were 21 people who received visions from God. And just a few examples of, of dreams, visions, these encounters, you see Moses on the mountain. Daniel had dreams and visions and was able to interpret dreams. Peter had this vision of a sheet descending you see the Mount of Transfiguration. The disciples saw Jesus transfigure in that moment. And obviously the Apostle John in, in the book of Revelation. So we see throughout all of Scripture that God is interacting with humanity, with earth in different ways. Let's look at the different heavens. There are a reference between heaven as the place where we dwell and heavens where the place God dwells. The word heaven occurs 531 times, and the word heavens, plural, refer, uh, is used 172. And the Bible references three types of heavens. The first we see is, is the clouds or the sky. This is our, our atmosphere, right? From the crust of the earth to the, to the skies. The second heavens that we see is, is stars, galaxies, outer space, right, the beyond. And the third place we see where God dwells is heaven. Everyone with me still? Okay, all right. You guys got quiet on me. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2. It says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I don't know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. 
Verse 3, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise. And he heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for men to utter. So we see there is this catching up, this ascent. I thought it was just incredible. I, I didn't plan it, but angels ascending and descending was, I, okay, just God. We'll get there too. Um, there's this, this catching up that took place, whether in the body or out of the body. So there's this supernatural experience that took place. And so before we saw God coming down, and here we see man going up. And another place that we see the paradise mentioned, because he says he's caught up into paradise, references the third heaven as well. And we see that in Revelation 2.7. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, the tree of life was mentioned early on in Genesis. And it said that whoever eats of the tree of life will live forever. And here he says the tree of life is in paradise. And if you're in paradise, and he's talking about the reference of coming up and you're living forever, where do you think the tree is? Heaven. Okay. So there's this, this, this divine connection, this, this divine encounter up to where God lives or dwells. Let's say that. Let's look at some examples of how heaven and earth are coming together. We see God's army revealed to men. And this is one example. 2 Kings 6.17. 2 Kings 6.17 says, And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open the eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. I was reading this and, and as I was preparing and I looked at it and I got this kind of aha moment that has nothing to do with the sermon. Elijah prayed. God answered Wonderful, incredible, that's amazing. Elijah prayed for someone else, and someone else received because of the prayers of Elijah. We're not going to get into the power of prayer tonight. Make a note, go back and look at that. But it's amazing the way that when we, when we invade heaven, when we have a relationship and we pray, other people around us can be impacted by the prayers that we lift up. And it says that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. And when I read this in the past, because this has been something that's been talked about pretty frequent, I always had that admit, the idea that there was that mountain, and at the peak of it, there was just kind of like this row of horses and chariots, kind of like they came over the ledge and like, ah. It's, it's what I saw, okay? And I'm reading this, and it says the mountain was full, and I imagine the mountainside from bottom to top just encased, But those angels, those, those horses and chariots weren't natural. He had to pray for his spiritual eyes to go open in order to see what was around them. Had they been natural, the other army would have left a long time ago. So there's this, this angelic encounter. There's this heavenly encounter with earth. God and man are encountering. All right. Jacob's ladder. I told you we were going to get there. Genesis 28, 12. 
It says, then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven and there were angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Someone, it says there was a ladder that was set up. There was a, a connection between heaven and earth that was built, that was set up. And then there was this, the, the angels of heaven were ascending and saying, doing the work of God here on earth as it is in heaven. The story of Job. Now, there are many, many, many instances throughout the story in the book of Job where we see relationship, conversation, encounters, heaven and earth coming together. We can go, we could spend three days just breaking that down and going into that, but I want to just take a portion of this and, and take a look at it. Again, one of the breaststrokes in the big picture. We're going to start in Job 1 verse 2. And it says, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 don female donkeys, and a very large house, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. How many of y'all want to be Job right now? <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, another story. Okay. Backstory, not to go through the entire thing. The devil came before God and said, look, the earth is, is a mess. And he said, God said, have you considered my servant Job and, and how, you know, faithful and blessed and all he is? And the devil said, well, of course he serves you. He's, you bless him. He's got a hedge of protection. Why, why wouldn't he? He is blessed. And so God allows, God didn't do it, but God allows the enemy to, to come after Job. But he just says, you can't take his life. All right. So he goes through a season. He goes through a, a, a period of time where, where heavy persecution and, and, and attacks Okay, there's the backstory. We're going to jump to, towards the end of the book, Job 42, verse 10. Job 42, verse 10 says, The Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. How many of you want to be Job now? <laughs> okay, there is twice as much restored to him. If we skip a verse, we're going to go to verse 12, Job 42, verse 12. It says, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys, and he had seven sons and three daughters. Now, if you compare verse 42 and verse, verse uh, chapter 1, the numbers line up. He had double, double of everything, except his children. It says that he had seven sons and three daughters, ten children. And they, his children had passed during that time of, of attacks from the enemy. All at once, actually. It's pretty intense. And this is, there, there's many scholars that weigh in on this. And uh, uh, my belief that Job didn't receive 20 children the next time around because his original ten were already in heaven. He, the, the, the possessions of this world, he received double, and he was greatly blessed. And his latter days were more than his beginning, but he still received the ten. The blessings of God are not confined to the limits of this world, time, or space, but are eternal. 
there is a divine interaction with, with God and man. And it doesn't always work out the way we want it. But his ways are, his ways are greater, his, his thoughts are higher. So what is the purpose of such a divine connection between heaven and earth? Why is there such an importance that we access heaven while we're here on earth? I'm glad you're asking so many questions. Psalms uh, 143 verse 10 says, Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Teach me to do your will. It's a capital Y. That's God's will. Why are we here? What is the purpose? What is the relationship for? To, 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 to have assurance that we're saved and go, right, I'm, I'm, I know that I know that I'm saved. And then live out our life at a very little relationship, just, minim, just enough to make it until we get to heaven and go, right, whoo, glory, hallelujah, I'm in heaven. No, it's to do the will of the Father. There is a purpose. This is the one thing. This isn't even in my notes. This is the one thing that shifted my whole life into having the desire to serve God was knowing there is a purpose for my life. But a godly purpose, not just a, an earthly purpose, a heavenly purpose. Oh, I can't read my notes. From creation, it was about relationship. Christ came to restore that relationship to all people. So how aware are we of the reality of heaven and earth? Philippians 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are awaiting the return. He's going to take us and take us there. Then there's, we're going to come back to the earth for a thousand years. There is such a divine connection that we don't see in the natural. Now, when we seek God according to his word, our prayers bring heaven down. Jesus tells us to pray that the kingdom of God would have its same effect on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6, 9, verse 10, uh, 9 and 10. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Many of you have heard this. Now, if we couple the Lord's prayer, his will, his kingdom here on earth, with the spiritual authority that God has given us, we'll begin to see the manifestation of heaven here on earth. Matthew 18, 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There is a direct result, both heavenly and earthly, when we operate in the spirit of God. 
when our hearts desire to do the will of God rather than just our own desires, we begin to see lives transformed, our lives transformed. So how does, where does this power come from? Christ, the Father, the Holy Spirit. See, Christ is the head of the church. We are the body. And as the body, we are to function and express his love and to do his will. Amen? It wouldn't make sense for the head and the body to be disconnected, right? It doesn't make sense to have heaven and earth disconnected. It doesn't make sense to have the natural realm and the spirit realm disconnected. There is such an intertwined, webbed, I don't even have the words for it. They are connected. <laughs> Amen. Ephesians 1 verse 22. And he, Jesus, put all things, or, or the Father, put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. If, the fall, if, if Jesus is the head of the body and he has all authority in heaven and on earth and we are his body, how much authority do we have? What are we supposed to be doing? Is it easy? But walking in the spirit, walking out what God has called us to do, just like fasting. Fasting, fasting isn't easy. It's not fun. But the result that when we change our posture, when we, we die to the flesh and let God speak to us more clearly, the reward is out of this world, heavenly. The connection is relationship. And this is kind of tying it up, and I'm going to probably finish a little early, but you'll have to forgive me. The connection is relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit to do his will. This will show people that there is one God over all creation that loves them. That's what we're called to do. The main purpose of our discipleship is to have relationship. Without that relationship, without the intimacy, without the, the true father-son, father-daughter relationship, we're just walking step by step, half the time in a circle. I say it from experience. But when we have this relationship, we'll be able to spread the fire of God to our city and nation. Without that relationship, it's just religion. If we want to see our city saved, if we want to see the transformation take place in our city, in our community, in our workplace, in the state, nation, worldwide, go as big as you want. If we want to see that transformation, if we want to see our city revived, if we want to see the city revived, this is where God has planted us. This is where God has called us. If we want to see the city revived, the church has to be alive. It has to. And it's, it's again, 
by relationship. We need to draw closer to God because the world won't draw closer to God if the church isn't close to God. There is a, there's a call first for us to draw near, to, to lay down our lives, to sacrifice that way that the world around us will see that's different. And we can do this. We can have this relationship. Because we have access to the Father who is in heaven. There is this beautiful connection between heaven and earth. I know that this wasn't the message you were thinking about heaven. But there's this beautiful connection between heaven and earth. Between God's spirit and our spirit. Between the relationship that is we now have access to because the veil is torn. Let's not, let's not cheapen it. Let's not take it for granted. That doesn't mean perfection. It just means a true relationship. Amen? Let's, let's, let's pray. Lord, Again, what can we say? What can we do? But, but bring our, an offering to you. Bring our lives to you. Lay it down before you. Your salvation for our lives is the, is the most precious gift. But in this walk, in this race that we run, it is, it is just the starting point that once we have our salvation, once we, we know you, we, we've made you Lord of our lives, once we get to that point, it is the beginning. And from there, there is an entire life that we get to live, drawing closer to you, changing more and more to be like you. And then you've called us to, to go out and make disciples. Lord, I pray that, that each one of us this evening in this place and even watching online, there would be a stirring in our hearts to draw closer, to get real, to not play church and look like or sound like what we think church is supposed to look like, but, but draw close and intimate with you and then we'll know exactly what you want it to look like. So Father, I pray and I ask that you would bless everyone here this evening. Go with us. Comfort us. Holy Spirit, guide and lead us in all things and in all truth. And Father, we praise you. We give you the honor, the glory, and all the adoration. We give you thanks. And we ask that you would strengthen us as we go into this Daniel fast, that you would bring us back tomorrow morning, that we would have a moment again to celebrate, to, to lift up praise and honor and glory to you, for you are worthy of it all. Again, we thank you. We give you the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.